0: All right, we are here today on Affect Autism with Dr. Andrea Davis, the director and founder of Greenhouse Therapy Center in Pasadena, California. Today we're going to be talking about her wonderful book that she's co written with Lahila Isaacson and Michelle Harwell called Floor Time Strategies to Promote Development in Children and Teens A User's Guide to the DIR Model. Welcome, Dr. Davis. Thank you. It's
1: great to be with you.
0: Um, I just wanted to mention that you are big into advocacy in California as a member of the DIR uh, California Coalition of California for DIR Floor Time. And I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how you came to write this book.
1: Well, that's uh, an exciting process to tell you about. We at our center have um, had phenomenally talented floor-time specialists working with us, with our families, uh, for for a number of years, since actually since 2001, and we've had the the great experience of watching the kids uh, grow and the parents grow in the model and really seeing that children or teens who are getting floor time are getting a kind of a growth experience that they don't get in any other kind of approach of treatment at all, and that they really, really need uh, to understand themselves and to understand the world around them and to become warm and intimate and engaged and joyful and spontaneous and creative. We're thrilled about the work that we're doing here, but we did see that we kept bumping into one problem, is that our um, floor-time specialists were so talented at applying Dr. Greenspan and Dr. Weider's model that sometimes it was much harder for them to help a parent learn the same approach. And that was one of their main jobs that they would often find difficult to put into words what they could feel instinctually in their gut is the right thing to do with a child at a certain milestone or at a certain stuck place. So this. Um, Together with Lahayla and Michelle, we spent many hours uh, laying out all over our, our entire gym floor uh, papers that would, that would try to capture the words we could get across. What is it that we can do for our kids? What is floor time? It's more than just what was originally maybe boiled down a little bit too much to just... Um, attuned to the child and just follow their lead. There's so many other things that are part of floor time as it's grown and developed as a model that we wanted to capture in a systematic way, in an organized way, because some, everybody learns differently, as you know. Um, you may learn better by just getting the whole picture, by reading the child with special needs or engaging autism and getting a feel for what, what is this way of thinking about children. Other people um, learn better with a step-by-step strategy at a time, kind of let me try one thing and, and practice that, make it habitual with my child before I try to do something else too that also will help my child and my team.
0: So it sounds like you really did make this book for parents.
1: We made it for parents and especially for the uh, paraprofessionals or professionals who are working with parents. We'll, you know, we'll have parents bring their own manual to session. We'll have the floor time specialist bring their manual, and they'll really select you know one two page. They'll just open the book to one strategy, leave it open during the session, and then refer to it. Um, to See how did that feel? You know, when you tried. Just turning every action into an interaction, for example. We'll Just focus on that. Let's try it. I'll demonstrate it for you. You try it. How did that feel? Um, it, it, it's a lot easier to get this, this model across, that there's things that we do to promote our children's emotional, social, and intellectual development that really work in a very positive way.
0: And it sounds like, also, I can imagine just from looking at the book myself, that therapists working with children can really use this as a refresher as well if you had your certificate from ICDL three or four years ago and you're practicing floor time regularly this book is fantastic for reminding us of all of the important points about what to apply when we're working with children and parents
1: it, it does help us as a refresher certainly we use it all the time um, when we're, we're talking about the families that we work with We We'll look at video of sessions and then we'll stop and we'll check in and say, hey, what did, what did that specialist or that parent just do that really maximized what the child was just able to do? Let's put it into words because words and the concepts that follow the words really help us to know exactly what we're doing as therapists. Um, it's particularly helpful for therapists uh, in almost every situation. We have to write about what we're doing. We have to write to get funds. For an insurance company or a state or a a school district, we have to um, describe what we're doing. And um, they all want to see, well, what are you doing with the family? What are you doing to help the parents? And this specifically is the easiest way. We actually will list out in our reports um, numbered strategies. This is what we're we're working on right now to get to the goal that the the family has for the child at that milestone. So it makes it easier, a lot easier, actually, to write our reports, which we know therapists, that's the bane of our existence. We love working with people. We don't like the paperwork, but this actually makes our reporting process so much simpler and more efficient, so we can really focus on the part of our work that we went into the work for. The field that we love is helping people, helping parents get more effective with their, with their children and teens.
0: Right, and certainly things in California are a little bit different than they are here in Ontario and throughout Canada, Um, namely that you go through insurance providers, and here we have public health, Um, but we are struggling here in getting developmental therapies funded. British Columbia um, recently had them approved for funding, but I imagine similar to you guys, the therapists here also have to have some kind of written proof even if we use our um, special services funding that is a type of funding we have here we also have to submit um, receipts and they might ask for more information so this is a good Mm -hmm. guide for that although I don't know if anybody um, here would would know about all the different strategies because floor time is so new to Ontario Um, Mm -hmm. and the other thing is, um, oh, I think I think that was it. <laughs> um, well, let, let me follow up, yep. if you
1: don't mind, on what you just said, which is that um, we are still struggling. That's why we have the DIR Floor Time Coalition of California. The coalition is this nonprofit of parents and professionals where we're trying to make it so that every part of our state, you can actually find a way for families to get the funds to get their child or teen into floor time therapy, because it's not the case that in California, we're, it, it's very rare to be able to find a funding source, um, but this this book does help us, because even if they've never heard of it, when they, the strategies are so simply described and named, people go, oh, I can see how that would work, oh, that makes sense, they can immediately see what you're talking about, it's a little bit easier when you feel tongue-tied trying to explain it to, say, a school district that um, the family wants the school district to pay for this, or if you're trying to explain it to a public funding agency, most of our clients get public funding. And it it varies completely where you are in the United States or Canada or or within a particular state, within the state of California, whether your funding agencies really are supportive or not. But the research behind the effectiveness of DIR floor time that's now we've had published, randomized, controlled trials that show how effective it is as a treatment method. They can't say anymore, it's, it's, there's not uh, enough evidence or research behind it. There absolutely is published, peer-reviewed research articles, NIH grant studies showing how effective DIR floor time is. So now we can just say, okay, but here's specifically what we do, because we, we, the the strategies are written in very plain English for anybody to understand, and you get head nods right away when people go, oh, I see what you mean. Oh, you're you're helping parents to work with their child in these specific strategies. Um, that makes perfect sense that that would help, and, and they're more receptive to the request for the funding.
0: And certainly that is a myth about DIR floor time, is that it doesn't have An evidence base like ABA does and what has been happening over the last even 10 years since the review study in 2005 is that there's less and less research supporting ABA approaches and more and more um, research supporting DIR floor time and developmental approaches in general so I think this is something that moving forward parents are going to be looking to and your book is fabulous for being very accessible to parents Um, can you talk a little bit about what it is about breaking it down into these strategies that really helps parents and what is the best place where's the best place for them to start when they get a new diagnosis and they're they're overwhelmed and they're told so many different things by so many different professionals and they somehow narrow it down to floor time. I'm gonna try this out. They get your book. What's the first thing they should think about? Or
1: Well, um, that's a great question. Um, one of the things that would, would help for a parent to think about is how could I make 20 minutes available where I shut out the world and I turn off, put away my phone and, and my laptop and Um, the work that's waiting for me and really just tune into my child and try some of these approaches. Um, How can I make that happen? Who could help me make that happen? People who are concerned um, maybe to uh, just help me protect 20 minutes at a time. Dr. Greenspan uh, sometimes talked about this as ideally eight different 20-minute segments throughout the day. And that's the ideal But starting with one 20-minute segment is is even better than zero by by all means. And um, if um, older children or neighbor kids, like older kids or or, um, spouses or, you know, aunties and uncles can get involved, if they see how fun it is and how meaningful it is to see this child blossom just by playing in strategic ways, then they they might want to offer a 20 minutes everybody can give 20 minutes it, it's a, it's actually a reasonable thing to ask somebody to do and um, when they see the benefit it's just so rewarding that, that they want to keep going that's why when we we train specialists here who are say they're very busy people they're grad students they're they're doing other things in their life preparing for their careers but they stick with this work they, they stick with the families, sometimes three, four, even five years, because it's so gratifying to play in a way that actually you can see a child's development happening before your eyes. So I would say just making time, um, maybe a couple of 20-minute periods on the weekend, each each weekend day, to to try, just try a, a, applying a new way of thinking about your time with your child. You're not there so much to direct and control and teach all the time, but to get to know what works with your child and find that shared joy, that mutual interest in whatever it is that the, the child loves and finding that passion together. In, the book is helpful in terms of um, starting out with the basic overall arching, the overarching strategies. So part A, there's just... Um, 10 strategies within that, that if you if you got those in your mind, you would kind of have the, the, the overall sense of what do I do as a four-time parent. Um, part B gets a little bit more detailed into understanding how we work with our child's individual differences, but again, those are overarching principles. And then we launch into working with milestone one, just regulation and attention. What can we do? In our time together with our child, that's going to support their regulation. So that's where I would begin. Um, another thing about the book that people don't realize is that the appendix is another section of strategies that have to do with handling difficult behavior. And we draw on um, approaches, for a number of different approaches that we've used effectively with parents and training parents. Um, is, you know, how uh, we're working most of all on development because. This is about working with kids with developmental delays, developmental challenges. Um, So their primary problem is not misbehaviors. Their primary problem is helping their brain get back on track and making the connections that are missing. But we know that parents have to deal every day with difficult behaviors. So what do you do about those? I'd say turn to the appendix and just read that thing through. I think there's only 10... 10 strategies or so in the appendix, but they're all extremely helpful. They're kind of rich and pithy, and so I would recommend just reading it through so that they're all available in your mind when difficult behaviors come up, and then talking about that with your team, your, whether it's your special ed team or your speech and language people, your OT, your pediatrician, really talking through um, maybe you do have a floor-time professional. Talking through, what strategy might be right for me to try right now with this particular problem we're addressing?
0: And I think that's such an important point because the majority of parents maybe do feel overwhelmed with behavioral issues, and behavioral strategies are so part of our culture um, mm-hmm. that's just embedded in even even. Um, raising neurotypical children you hear it all the time when you're out oh if you don't do this we're going right now I hear parents Mm -hmm. say that all the time in public places to their kids and with our children with developmental delays we really have to back that up and realize like you said this is not a behavioral issue it's a developmental issue it has to do with emotion it has to do with affect and anxiety and the developmental strategies really support getting through that and I think families get into such a routine and rut of what they expect how they handle it and it ends up being a downward spiral and you hear you know children as they get older and the problems get worse and worse and intervening early in a developmental way that supports the child and makes the child feel safe and um, that they can trust that the parents really understand what's happening for them and are supporting them as opposed to trying to stop what they're doing um, makes all the difference in the world and, and just even from what I, we've seen with our son.
1: Well, I agree with you, and I, I do think that um, thinking about this uh, the way you just described it, we have to understand what, what the, the gift of what Dr. Greenspan gave us was looking at the arch and trajectory of normal neurological development is all based on attuned relationship with a caring and supportive caregiver and that is what strength strengthens and grows every single person, every single child whether they have a challenge or not neurologically so really seeing that relational support as the core of a a child growing through their developmental challenges is going to be really quite of a um, a transformation or a conversion for some families when they first read, they're going to be amazed if they read Dr. Greenspan and Dr. Reader's work. They're going to think, "I ne- this makes sense with my gut, but I've never heard this anywhere else." Everybody keeps, you know, counting misbehaviors and calling them "quote behaviors," which is really silly because everything we do is a behavior, um, and we shouldn't be focused on misbehaviors as the as the way to describe our child. A child, that that is that hurts the bond, that hurts the attachment if we're always scientifically thinking about what is he doing wrong, what is she doing wrong, um, versus who is my child and what does it feel like to be her or what does it feel like to be him, what does it feel like for us to be together. Um,
0: and what is pleasurable versus... for my child.
1: Yes, and why. And why. And, and that's the place to bond. Um, that's the place to bond. Floor time, as I often uh, compare it to when it's going well, it's like a great date. It's like both people's eyes are, are sparkling and they're fully engaged with one another and they're enjoying the experience of being together, of what does it mean to be together, and it absolutely doesn't matter what it is that they're doing. So they can be fully absorbed and they're not thinking about particularly what it is they went to do if the relationship is clicking. And that's the ideal that we're looking for, and we have ways to make that happen with your child. It's like falling back in love with your child again, when you realize, oh, the core of their development is going to be around this attunement and finding what their passions are so that I, I have the power in their life to then challenge them to do the next hardest step and the next hardest step that's not going to come around with threats and manipulation and focusing on the negative. Now, if you're anxious because of your child's problem behaviors, that's that's when I think some of the strategies in the appendix are important because you have to feel like, oh, I can make sure that I'm safe, he's safe, that everybody's safe, um, that there aren't going to be, you know, I'm not going to follow his lead when there's danger here. I'm not going to be so supportive that I feel out of control of his safety. With him. So there has to be that that. Line. I'm not doing floor time play when there's a safety issue at hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's things we shift over to managing their safety and and uh, everybody's safety when there's a, when there's a danger, and then we can use all the floor time principles and strategies to help them become more aware and to reflect on those situations when when everybody's calm and checking in, back in on feelings later to grow their awareness of themselves and their emotional state and their coping mechanisms for better choices in the future. But I do think parents need to be empowered as well with, what am I going to do when my child is having a big problem? I don't have to just feel helpless and just try to grin and be nice. I have ways to stop it and to redirect, but to always see that connection is the deepest and most important value we're teaching them in the future not to have these situations coming up all the time at school or, or out in the community or at home.
0: And and I think it is powerful to have that um, toolbox of strategies ready mm-hmm. to go and it, it certainly takes a bit of time. I know even when we first heard of floor time and mm-hmm. um, hired, you know, one of the very few people in Ontario that was trained at the time to work with our child. I would do the dishes and think, oh good, he's getting his therapy. It didn't really sink in for a while that this is about relationship and and us working with him and that overwhelming um, eight 20-minute sessions a day just seems like so scary. So just starting with 20 minutes and then what do I do in those 20 minutes? Um, Now in the foreword of your book uh, written by Dr. Weider, who... Um, it, she says at every successive level it's important to keep in mind the DIR concepts and principles highlighted in this book and to consider specific goals for each interaction and I know in, a, in conversations we've had when discussing this um, interview that we would do I recall you mentioning specific goals when you discuss strate- the strategies approach so um, I guess it's kind of a balancing act between just being with your child and having this, like you said, it's like a good date where it's back and forth, but also having a specific goal in mind. So can you elaborate a bit on the practice of setting these goals with parents and and how you see it play out?
1: Okay. So um, what we do with parents at our center is that every six months, we sit down to review where we think the child is now. And we have the floor time pyramid to look at the, the, st- the stages of development, but within each stage of development, there's going to be specific concerns that a, a family has about their child, and we help them to articulate that and put it into words what it is they feel that their child needs to be able to do. For example, um, if we're talking about capacity to engagement, relating, attachment, uh, they know that their child could, could be stronger in that area, um, but but what we want to do is really, really focus in on what about that area. Say it's a 12-year-old, a, a and he's, um, he's maybe he's uh, really verbal and he wants friends, but you notice when he gets with his friends or with kids his age and peers, he's not seeming to really click. So you're concerned about his engagement, the quality of his engagement. So we could help a parent go from that concern into actually writing a specific goal because when we're, when we're asking for funding, there have to be goals, measurable goals, and, and status that we check in on all the time. So maybe it's um, that he's um, sticking sticking with the conversation rather than always um, bringing it back to his one particular passion, so kind of persisting in a conversation um, for five minutes on a non-preferred topic with adult support at first, so there's there's somebody playing with the the kids and providing all the sensory input or the emotional support that's outlined in, in the strategies so that the child could be successful at that. So then we would, uh, we would turn to Section 2, Capacity 2, and we say, well, what, it, what, is a, what does the adult in general do for that? Overall, I think it's, it's really connecting with the child to help them learn to connect with their peers. Um, so what are, and then we'd, we'd pick out a few of the appropriate, for his age and his level, strategies that the parents could do and work on or maybe their aid at school, this also helps with explaining to aides at school what they can be doing better to help the child reach their goals. Um, so we would, we would outline those right under the goal. These are the strategies we're going to use um, to uh, help the child engage first with the adult and then engage longer with, with a peer, which is a, a harder challenge. Does that make sense?
0: It does, Yep. Yeah. Um, And I guess another big piece that jumps out at me um, in your introduction, Mm -hmm. it says, the most critical is that in DIR floor time, adults learn to evaluate and reflect on their own tendencies in the relationship and thereby become more adaptable and also more able to help the child or teen to become gradually more capable of self-reflection as well, and that caregiver self-reflection and self-awareness are essential for providing the attunement and affect regulation that allow children to develop the ability to think about their own minds and the minds of others. Now this was a concept that took a few years for me to acknowledge myself and only recently in my DIR floor time Certificate courses have I really come to understand what it means so i imagine you find that this is a major hurdle for parents some more than others and how do you support parents in in this effort
1: that's a great question it's scary it's scary to think about uh, how for all parents of all kinds of kids how who we are affects who our kids are how our limitations can hold them back how our gifts also help them experience more of the world but we don't want to think about that sometimes we want to that's a that's a feeling or a thought that we can want to quickly distract ourselves from is that we help we are here to grow and help our children grow and floor time is a is a systemic model it's a family-based model it's about everybody growing together and if we if our ultimate goal of what uh, Dr. Greenspan talked about it at capacity nine was the ability to self-reflect, to be aware of our, uh, to have that internal psychological experience and, and flexibility that comes from that, then then obviously we as the parents and the professionals are needing to be able to grow in that area as well if we're going to be helping our, our kids get there too. So um That's a major piece of of the work that we run into, absolutely. Parents come in with differing levels of anxiety, um, self-distraction, denial, whatever works for them because it's just really, 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 really stressful to be raising a child who has neurological differences. Um, So it takes a safe relationship, an entirely safe relationship with professional. They have to feel like they're not being judged or watched or criticized in a negative way, that it's a supportive, that the the person coming in who's who's maybe had the training in DIR full time, they're on a process too of getting to know themselves and what are their constrictions and limitations and how are they constantly working to grow more present, more aware, more attuned to self and other. And that, that helps, I think, our parents. It does take a lot of time for them to learn, oh, this isn't a critical, judgmental, it's one more uh, relationship where I have to be careful in what I say or what I show. That they can be comfortable to look at themselves, to um, be honest with themselves. And one way we do it a lot is through sitting together and supportively watching videotape together of the interactions. Because it's amazing what we learn by watching ourselves with our child. We, we get into habits we're completely unaware of, but watching ourselves on video with a supportive other person present, we can see, oh, that, that moment was really helpful. That that habit of mine isn't as helpful. And, and then starting to look at, oh, why? Why do I get too fast there? Or why do I tend to say, um, do the thinking for my child? What is, the, what is the anxiety that kind of drives that, even though I might know better, that I still kind of fall back on doing the thinking for him? or making it too easy for him, um, not letting him struggle, for example, or um, just sort of being the one to, to inject the next idea and the next idea in creative play. What's hard for me about sitting and waiting to see what his idea is next and giving or giving my daughter the chance to pause and struggle and come up with the next move in the, in the game, whether it's a ball game or a, bo- a board game or... Play with characters or role play. It doesn't matter. It's the same process of looking at ourselves and seeing, well, why do I do those things each time? Um, and feeling safe with the with the professional or paraprofessional to openly, non-defensively start to understand ourselves and our stories, our own histories, and how that intersects with who we are and ha- where we get stuck in, in the work. Does that...
0: And that's hard for parents, I, I imagine especially for some parents it's very hard to watch themselves on film because they might they might not want to take that critical look at themselves, and I think that's why you highlighted the importance of the safety of that relationship
1: Yes, yes. and I think they with feel the they may yeah. feel comfortable too by starting looking at video by really focusing on what the child or the the adolescent is doing and how they're progressing. I think that's, you know, highly important, essential to parents. They want to see, they want to see, oh yeah, he didn't, he wasn't able to engage that long before. He wasn't able to stick with a, an idea that long or um, what, whatever the next step is for, for him or for her. They're they're eager to see that on video. So we kind of start with that. We start with, let's look at where, where your child is in this particular Interaction. We looked at one yesterday with with a boy who's been working with us for about three and a half years with the same specialist. And for the first time ever, he was really co-creating with her versus always the same same idea over and over in the play. It's repetitive and boring. She would. He was laughing with delight. Almost he was falling down like drunk with enjoyment of what he, he was tricking her and she was getting tricked with her character, her little Yoshi character. Um, But then when she would add an idea, he would riff off of that. He would improvise from that. So they were actually building something together. We think co-creativity is one of the highlights, the ultimate goals is can you make something happen together with another person pleasurably? Because that's what we want in life. We want our kids to be able to make things happen with a partner whether it's a business partner or a life partner. To, to to That's what it means to be really essentially human is to, I think, be creative, to participate in that divine capacity to take nothing and turn it into something. And that's what we do in floor time is we take a blank screen and we together create something wonderful, fun, and engaging and beautiful together. So...
0: I can't help but compare that to the um, behavioral learning theory metaphor of the blank slate, where it's such a different Mm -hmm. approach that we can train your child to do anything, just give Mm -hmm. them to me as a bit blank slate, which is so different than an intrinsically motivated child where it comes from affect and it comes from their own motivation as opposed to being trained from the outside.
1: Right. Now, exactly. My example is is an example that this this kid has always played with the same characters, all the Mario Brothers characters, and that because that's his passion. That's what we use. Those are our therapeutic tools. How are we going to get into the place where he's having such deep joy, attachment, and intimacy if we're we're presuming and requiring him to follow our agenda all the time?
0: Mm -hmm. We're here,
1: we're promoting his agenda, and look what flourishes when we, like you say, use his intrinsic motivation. Now he can do so much more um, creativity and and true engagement. We're still using his passion, his intrinsic motivation. That's exactly right. You cannot train passion. You cannot train motivation. You can't train creativity. You can't train the desire to understand. We want our kids not to, we don't tell them, In floor time, look at me, because actually we don't really, that's not even social behavior. It's not social to look at somebody. It's social to want to know somebody, to be Mm -hmm. curious about what's going on in somebody else's insides. That's what floor time is training is that social curiosity so that someone looks in someone's eyes to find out what are you feeling and what am I going to do in response, my reciprocal response to you so that's not something you can take as a blank blank slate and train with with rewards and consequences
0: now I know for ourselves when um, for us when we tried figuring out what are we going to do um, you know after our diagnosis uh, definitely one of the hooks for floor time was hearing stories about children who seen as as young children our son's age or younger, who seem to have less skills than our son had, seeing videos of them 10 years later and how interactive they were just brought mm-hmm. tears to my eyes because you suddenly see hope in what you have for the future of your child. And every, child, every parent is in such a frantic search when you get that diagnosis. Oh, what, what's going to help me? And there's so many magic cure promises out there when really you know it's it's a natural process to develop as humans and the trajectory is long and might not be as steep as others but it comes and seeing that progression um, it's it's slow but it's there and it's that's oh, really what
1: so it's mm-hmm. fundamental for, for, for we are raising human beings we're raising creative joyful human beings who, who desire to have intimacy and have their own natural passions that we're we're going to honor when we do floor time. But I, I I think you're right. The hope the hope of this book, the hope of this approach is for parents to see that this this isn't all gonna be doom and gloom. We can have children who end up coming out of Floor time. Dr. Greenspan was the first person to say this, and I see it over and over. We have kids who've been in a number of years of the the families or their therapists or both using the floor time approach who end up coming out more emotionally aware and and socially sensitive than kids who didn't have any kind of a diagnosis or developmental challenge but didn't get floor time. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We have lots of families come to us and say, This approach changes how I see all of my children. It changes how I see my relationship with my partner. It changes how I am as a human being and how deeply I can relate and, and view the process of being a parent. So floor time is like an amazing gift to families. And this particular book is a way to learn it a little bit easier than a whole Sometimes parents just can't read the entire child's special needs without getting really anxious and you know, or guilty because it's, it's a lot to try to fit in and incorporate. So taking it a, a bite at a time with someone helping you, with your team helping you, is actually more manageable. But the results are beautiful. We have kids who are incredibly proud of what they can do with their friends, with... Um, it, it's it's just it's just really heartwarming to see how how they can grow as human beings in this approach because it's the, it's the humane approach
0: right um well i know certainly what i went through which may not be what other parents go through but i know certainly other parents do go through this as well is you almost feel like you're given some kind of life sentence that you have to do all of this therapy just to even maybe get to where other gotcha. parents are with their kids without doing any work and it feels so unfair okay. like um, oh I have to do all of this work everything's such a struggle for my child it, it's just you just yes. get overwhelmed at the beginning and yes. part of the um, like this is what makes your book so accessible to parents is that it's, it's you don't have to look at it that way um, and you know I, I tend to over catastrophize things at first until I get used to them it sinks in and then okay mm-hmm. I can handle this um, mm-hmm. and this book makes it about you know one thing at a time and you'll see progress and, and it's like a snowball once you start realizing yeah. that you just change a few little things and everything gets so much smoother the snowball yeah. rolls and rolls and and things can get a lot easier and you, as you see your child develop. And sometimes it takes um, other people to tell us. Like, we, we don't live close to my son's grandparents. So whenever the grandparents see my son, they'll be like, Wow, I can't believe how much more engaged he is. Oh, he's so much more in tune to us. Oh, he actually came and hugged me. Oh, he looked at me today. Oh, and so those kinds of things... Are so heartwarming because sometimes when you're so in the mix every single day in and out, you don't even notice the progress that your child's made because it's very subtle and slow across time.
1: That's right. That's another thing I like to do is have parents see that you know have their their team fill out just a developmental chart of showing where where we were six months ago and where we are now because you get lost in the trees. Absolutely, as a parent, your every every day is challenging for every parent. Never mind when you've got so many therapies to attend and so many you know goals to worry about but if you can see oh he really is making progress on the goals that matter to us as a family um, that help us to know he's going to be happy or she's going to be happy uh, later in life which is what you really want to know as a, as a parent is that your child's going to be happy later that you're not going to be lonely and, and sad.
0: And that everything isn't a struggle that um, you know the the smallest things cause such catastrophic emotional reactions in a little toddler with autism um, just to help him get through and cope you're just so worried oh everything's so hard for him I want to make it easier for him but I don't know how to and maybe what I'm doing is making it worse and so floor time really helps with that so
1: much it it really does if you think about yourself as we're becoming a floor time family I think that's easier been thinking we have to do all this stuff. We're becoming a family that sees him in a floor time kind of way with his individual differences or her individual differences in mind as we problem-solve together. Um, I have enjoyed talking with you so much about these things. You know so much already, uh, and I wish that uh, each parent could be as as informed as you. That's really what the motivation is for writing a book like this and organizing it this way. Is we want parents to feel empowered and like they, they have ways to get where they want to go. Uh, it's obviously the most important job that you have, and if you're not given the tools to do it, it's just an inherent setup for, for stress and, and distress. And uh, we want parents to feel a little bit more easy light and unburdened and also hopeful and joyful about what they can do with their, with their child and their adolescent.
0: Well I think one of my favorite, I mean I've talked about a lot of my favorite parts of this book but I absolutely love um, where you describe the one-word summaries for each functional emotional developmental capacity which links uh-huh. in the relationship piece and the self-reflection and self-awareness that parents require to implement floor time, um, it's just so clever. It says um, adults in floor time attune, engage, respond, expand, pretend, challenge, and reflect. Children and teens in floor time regulate, connect, reciprocate, communicate, create, think, and self-reflect. And then linking the two together, so when adults attune to the child and to themselves, children learn to become regulated when adults engage the child children learn to connect emotionally with others and so on through the nine capacities and then this wonderful graphical representation of it all in the pir- in the pyramid that you have there um, I would love to be able to show that on the blog yes. if possible
1: um, I'll send it to you so that you can share that because I think that is the core of this approach is that we, we understand that kids go up through these milestones, maybe if we've been exposed to a little bit of floor time. What it's hard to understand is, so what do the adults do to get them there? And that's what this book is about.
0: And how can parents, uh, our readers, and listeners get a copy of this wonderful book?
1: Oh, that's right. You were asking, me. you can, um, you can get it through us at a discount, or you can, if you prefer to get it through Amazon, it's, right, it's uh, always available. If you want a discount where you don't have any tax or shipping and handling, you can uh, just uh, get it through our website, GreenhouseTherapyCenter.com, and you can pay us by PayPal or by check or however uh, credit card. but. Communicate with us through, via the website greenhousetherapycenter.com. And, and I'll
0: we'll put a me. yeah, I'll put a link to that there. I'm looking at the page right now where you can click Add to Cart and and buy it right there, and it's very reasonably priced. And I want to thank you, Dr. Davis, for spending time with us today at Affect Autism to discuss this wonderful book. And um, the good news is that you've agreed to come back and discuss a couple strategies in more detail
1: in future Mm -hmm. sessions. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited. Thank you very much. I'm so proud of what you're doing and impressed by what you're doing.
0: Well, likewise. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye.